episode 102, Hong Kong Expat and Pilates with Chiropractic. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trusclair, and today we're Dr. Fleur Castlerai's perspective. Join 2017 and 2018 Podcast Awards nominated host as we get a behind the curtain look at all types of doctors and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Hey, everybody, I hope your Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Shop Local Saturday was a fantastic. It's the holiday season. I hope everyone's able to take off, see their family and all that jazz in the next coming week. I haven't decided yet if uh, I will release an episode the week of Christmas because it'll actually be Christmas. And then the following week, it'll be New Year's. So I haven't quite made up in my mind yet. I have them in the in the queue. Uh, and, you know, I guess with podcasts, you can download them anytime. Maybe you'll want to hear a new episode uh, with your family. Not everybody's got a great family. They're ready to escape and go exercise or just go for a walk to get away. I understand that. So to be determined. Well, like I said, how is the new intro? Are you liking the segue music, the intro music? How's the new graphics? If you've been to the website, you've definitely have seen it. Uh, let me know. I'm always curious. You know, Instagram, I put up a couple different styles. Even the guests of the recently have done three different pictures for them. One with the old logo, one with their face like you normally see, and then one that has more of the honeycomb and then their information around it. So uh, just trying to change things up, keep things uh, interesting for y'all. Let me know your thoughts. You know, it's kind of branding, I guess. Maybe, maybe I'm more interested in it than you are. But today's show is going to be good. Dr. Fleur is an Australian from uh, Sydney. She moved to Hong Kong. She's been there for about a year. We're going to talk about being an expat, trying to start a clinic in another country that you don't even speak the language. But, you know, Hong Kong is pretty bilingual. Uh, and big thing is uh, Pilates. She has some Udemy classes. We're going to talk about how to incorporate Pilates in the chiropractic clinic. Why would you do Pilates versus yoga? Um, we'll touch on some of the marketing that she's having to do. And it's kind of unique. And I think it's definitely something that you can do because it's a worldwide website. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Okay, that's enough for now. All the show notes at doctorsperspective.net slash 102. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China and Hong Kong. Today is going to be a fun episode because we have a doctor who was practicing in Sydney, Australia for quite a while. Yes, another accent. We're excited for that. Love it. And uh, she has experience in track and field, which is the long jump, uh, Pilates, was a personal trainer, now as a chiropractor, and uh, moved to Hong Kong. So I'm really excited. Dr. Fleur Kalsare, thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, uh, well, everybody has a story. Some people have a cool story. I know I didn't have a cool story why I became a chiropractor. But uh, what's your, like, your backstory you know, in Sydney and, and track and field? How did you come about to want to do this? Well, it did start with track and field. So I was about 13 and I started competing and training a lot and I started to get a really sore back and my parents tried to take me to some physiotherapists and uh, a few chiropractors and, and nothing was working and then eventually they took me to a really good sports chiropractor and my back pain uh, went away. It took a few months but eventually I was pain free and I could continue competing. So I always thought chiropractic was amazing and I, I was I would go sort of once a month and then I was about to finish school and I was trying to decide what to do and my cousin is a psychologist so she put me through a few different tests and uh, she said oh, I think you should 
do something to do with the health field because you like helping people. And so my original plan was to do either architecture or engineering because I was really good at maths. And, uh, and then at the last minute I thought, actually, uh, maybe I'll do chiropractic because I can help people and I really believed in the results. So, yeah, I, I did sort of a, a massive backflip and changed my mind, you know, just beforehand and enrolled in chiropractic. Wow. Yeah. That's quite the difference in change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. And I had to move cities as well because at that point um, you did you needed to do a science degree first and um, chiropractic was only run at Macquarie Uni, which is in Sydney, and I was living in Canberra. So, yeah, I had to move to Sydney and, yeah, I changed my focus from then on. <laughs> is it weird in, in, in Australia to move to different cities or is that a pretty transient country? Uh, it depends on where you grow up. Definitely, if you don't grow up in a major city, a lot of people move into the city. So if they're close to Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane, they'll tend to move in and study in a, you know, a major city and stay there and, uh, and rarely go back usually. And in my case, a lot of people from Canberra did move either overseas or yeah, to Sydney. Not a huge amount, but yeah, quite a few actually. So, so I guess it wasn't that unusual. All right. I'm going to be an idiot for a second. Is that like South west of the country yes yeah it's south so it's it's sort of in between uh sydney and melbourne so you go down from sydney and a little bit inwards so it's about two hours from the coast drive from the coast and um yeah it's well it's about three four hour drive from sydney okay so, okay yeah. i think i mean i was pretty oblivious i finally went to australia and realized like wow okay everything is far it's <laughs> <laughs> you know, our, our uh, U.S.-centric maps don't really show how massive Australia actually is until you start looking for flights. You're like, five-hour flight? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> this looks like one state. <laughs> it's very true. There's a lot of space there. Yeah, we have a lot. We're pretty lucky. All right. So you were doing chiropractic for a long time. I mean, 17 years, that's pretty much a career for most people, potentially in their thinking of an exit strategy. But now you're yeah. out and you went to Kong Hong. What's kind of the backstory with that? Uh, I think when you start, as you probably know, as a chiropractor, it's easy to get stuck in one area. So when I graduated, I was 23, I think it was. And um, so I was quite young because I started, I guess I was 18 and then I just went straight through. Yeah. And then I was in the same area for a long time practicing, but I knew I always, always had in the back of my mind that I wanted to work overseas and nothing had really come up. So I uh, just decided, oh, maybe I'll just leave that alone and I'll just keep practicing. And then one day a job came up that seemed like it would be suitable because I wanted to do a combination of the Pilates, um, personal training and chiropractic if possible. And, and this job came up, which they said I could you know, do that. So that's why I took it. And ah. yeah, it was a good opportunity. What are you thinking so far? Hong Kong is pretty intense. Um, it's only been one year and it's taken me a year to really adjust and I'm enjoying it. Like I've definitely had a lot um, different opportunities here than I would in Australia in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, but I've had to really manage the stress levels and the pace here because it's just so much busier than, uh, than Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. It is crazy busy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Just visiting and like, I can't live. I couldn't. I was like, I, I don't know what's going on. It's too busy. There's so many big buildings. Uh, pretty yeah. wild over there. Yeah, it is. And uh, I didn't realize. I actually even I hadn't even visited before I came before I took the job, which was probably a bit crazy. Well, I went to China in a small town. I'm I'm three hours from a major city. Wow. Yeah. So it's I'm like small town living over here. Uh, I'm still envious. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> my wife and I, we said, hey, you know what? You can always go to the big city for fun. And until then, you can just kind of like relax, yeah. eat organic food and uh, save money. <laughs> That's <laughs> so a really good idea. Yep. I should have thought of that a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> and now the, the place you're working at, is it one of those uh you tell me, oh. what kind of chiropractic process is going on over there and how are you integrating uh, Pilates with that? So we're called Up Health, and, um, which is UP. No one can understand my accent, but basically it's Up Health, two words. It's, uh, it's a multidisciplinary clinic. So there's a massage therapist, three chiropractors, three female chiropractors. Um, there's a kinesiologist. That's it, I think. Oh, acupuncture and Chinese medicine as well. So... It's a big clinic and we also have a little gym. The way that I do it at the moment is I do some private Pilates sessions as well as chiropractic, but then I also have some small group Pilates sessions there too. So it's quite nice and, yeah, we do work together quite well and we often have a naturopath come in and talk to us about supplements and different things. So we're quite integrative and I guess quite modern for Hong Kong in some ways because a lot of the local people still aren't really that familiar with chiropractic and different modalities. Mm. Um, they tend to use, I think, bone setters as well as um, Chinese massage and that type of thing. But, um, yeah, so it is, it is a new concept, but it, obviously expats as well as local people come, so it's a combination of the two. And, yeah, it's, it's a good clinic. It's really good. Do you have a translator or your clientele is usually bilingual? They're mostly bilingual, so... That's been good. I mean, sometimes I feel like there is some things that are lost in translation a little bit. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I, I thought the clinic when I came would have been a little bit more expats, but actually there's a, quite a lot of local people coming here or even um, people that have studied abroad because a lot of Hong Kong people study overseas and then come back. So the English is pretty good, but they still have, uh, I guess, the culture of, of a local person. So sometimes they don't quite understand, you know, the way the concepts that you're trying to put across um, mm -hmm. so that has been a little bit more difficult than I thought uh, but the other two chiropractors are both um, they can both speak Mandarin and Cantonese so if I find that yeah which is really amazing so they um, they get the people that have trouble with English basically and and a couple of times you know I've asked them to translate a few things but mostly um, they'll take those patients on because it's just much better yeah. How long have they been there? Well, the lady that runs the clinic, she's been here for about seven years. And she she's a chiropractor. She studied in Perth in Australia, but she's um, was born in China. So, her, ah. so that's why her Mandarin is so good. And she taught herself Cantonese as well. And the other um, chiropractor, she's lived in um, Canada as well as Hong Kong. So she's got uh, parents that are from Hong Kong. So her okay. and and a lot of the and she went to school here so for quite a few years so they learn Cantonese and Mandarin here, just pretty you. lucky. Yeah. Are you trying to learn anything or so I, just actually I have a, gotta get around? I have a sheet here. I'll show you, but no one will be able to see this. But it's actually basic Cantonese and it sits near my desk. <laughs> oh my goodness, basic. Yeah, I don't even know Cantonese. And, and sometimes the kids that come in or some of the adults look at it and they think it's funny because I am trying to learn a little bit. Um, and and often in the shops, a lot of the locals love it if you just try and speak a little bit of Cantonese. So I know some tiny bits, but nowhere near enough to really have a good conversation, unfortunately. Yeah, same. I mean, where I'm at, there's three different ethnic groups that are the majority, and they don't speak normal Putonghua oh. Mandarin. 
So it's kind of like you're trying to say something and then they don't understand you and then you hear the way they say it and you're like, there's no way that means the same thing. <laughs> oh, I know. It's, the tones are so difficult. Yeah. I mean, I, it is what it is. I, I drink a lot of um, Hong Kong milk tea, which is like the local drink here. And, um, and so every time I go in to buy it, I say it and then they look at me and then I'll say it again. And then I, I make it like <laughs> a point of just not going into English. And then eventually yeah. they understand me and then they laugh because, yeah, they, um, they think it's funny. <laughs> hey, the, okay, we're going real random today on this podcast. The milk tea there, is it just powders? Or do they actually do a, a better job? The theory of the real milk tea is that they put the tea leaves into a pant into a pantyhose or panty, you know, the stocking. Yeah. And then they drain it through that. And I've seen it done here in quite a lot of the places. I don't go to the local ones that often, but it's not it's definitely a strong brewed tea with proper leaves. And then they add milk to it, a condensed milk. Oh wow, condensed yeah. milk. But, wow. But it's not like a sweet, thick one. It's kind of a little bit watery, so it doesn't taste that sweet. And I don't usually add sugar, but I think the locals always add sugar. That's wild to think. <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> we're going to have condensed milk and we're going to add sugar. Yeah. Like, do you know what this is? <laughs> yeah, they like it sweet. And if I don't have sugar, they look at me like, are you crazy? But um, it's really nice. I'm addicted to it, basically. That's awesome. Yeah, over here, it's mostly just powders. Oh, really? <laughs> Uh, they just, you want a strawberry milk tea? You're like, hmm, that sounds, and then you just see them scooping stuff and you're like, oh, all right. no, the no. only thing fresh in this thing was the tea. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, sad. Thanks for the heads up. If I head over, I'll make sure I don't get it. Yeah, just don't even. You, well, you know, try it once, spin your little six R&B and then you'll be like, damn, okay. this was horrible. So sad. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> anyway. Now, you have a background in journalism. Is that true? Yeah. So I guess when you said, oh, 17 years is a long time, you know, to be doing the same thing. I think it was about about after 10 years of practice, I I had to give up my sport because I had a knee injury. And, and I decided after that that I needed a new challenge. And <laughs> because my sport was like a big deal, you know, I was doing a lot of training for athletics and then eventually you know, I had a knee injury and I was told that's it, I should stop. So I did. And then I thought, hang on, what about, you know, I had some extra time and I guess I, I wanted another challenge. So I just decided I would um, enroll in a graduate diploma of journalism, which was quite a big undertaking, which I didn't realize, I think, until I started it. <laughs> but um, it was really enjoyable and I learned a lot. I was thinking maybe I would transition into journalism, but after doing work experience at a few different newsrooms and uh, working with uh, a documentary um, for about six months, I was making a documentary on the Kokoda Trail and things like that. It was interesting, but I realized that it was going to be something I'd have to really start from the bottom and work my way up. And the pay was very low. A lot of people uh, were losing their jobs because obviously print journalism is going you know, out of style. So uh, the competition was so high to get into the good jobs. I thought, is it really worth the challenge of taking you know, five to ten years to build myself back up into a profession like journalism, which is almost dying a little bit? So I decided I would just yeah. use it more as a hobby. And, uh, and so that's I do it now with my chiropractic uh, knowledge and my health knowledge, and I combine that and I create videos and online programs and that type of thing. 
are these things that are uh, geared for patients to like purchase like uh, work like workshops? Uh, a combination. So initially, I just started putting them on my Instagram, and also I created a YouTube channel. Because when I was doing my journalism course, I had to create a lot of videos. So I just created a channel then and then I started adding in more health-related ones. And then after that, I thought, actually, it would be good to create a proper program that patients could do as an adjunct to their chiropractic treatment and at home follow the, the videos and make it easier for them rather than having to go to a gym and then maybe getting injured if they didn't know what to do properly. So I created some online back programs that people could purchase, like really cheap prices but something that was accessible for anyone they could do it at home and it was at a, a really basic level so they would learn a lot without injuring themselves basically yeah that's good you actually got to use your degree yes <laughs> so yeah i created uh four programs one was online back care program for people with back pain one uh, which were all pilates focused i guess uh although one was just about um general back care tips so ergonomics posture all of that sort of stuff then one was for pregnancy and um and the other one is for weight loss because i kept getting people asking me about weight loss as well because obviously in my personal training background plus you know, being an athlete. So I just created these sort of four programs, which I just have on a Udemy site and people can, yeah, access them quite at, at quite a cheap rate. Yeah. Ah, Udemy. Okay. Yes. So that was, I did them firstly on my own website, but then I was, I realized that it was just so challenging no exposure. to host them. No, firstly, no exposure. <laughs> then the cost and the uh, technicality of it, of trying to put them on there and keep them on there and make sure they're running properly. Udemy was just so easy. I could just put them all up there within a couple of days. Uh, and yeah, it was just such a good platform. I was like, I'll just use that for now, from now on. So I took them off my website and just put them straight on there. Yeah, because yeah. if you have to, all these, like what you're talking about, oh, now I got to get a membership site and possibly um, yes. online checkout and all of a sudden you got all these bills every month and I don't know how many people would have, were purchasing it even as a private clinic. But like sometimes it's like not worth the headache. You're like, look, like I said, just put it on Udemy. They'll take a cut. I can offer some coupon codes if I need to. I can increase the price, change the price, and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, and that's what happened actually. My my site broke down, and I was having trouble with all the membership things. And I was like, this is just too hard. And I couldn't figure. I spent weeks trying to figure it out. And after that, I was I was like, actually, I'm going to do Udemy because I liked the way it looked, and they were improving the site all the time, and it was just so easy. I was like, this is definitely the best option. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, I use so, it, so that's why I was curious. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah I've done cool. a few courses on Udemy. It's good. If anybody hasn't tried it, definitely go look. There's all kinds of stuff, and they love to do deals for nine ninety nine. Do they? Is that the number? Oh, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I don't know how people make money. I mean, they've got you know they're charging normally one hundred dollars or ninety nine or fifty nine, and then they're just always on nine ninety nine, twelve ninety nine, and you're just like, I guess you're making it up in volume because I think so. And at the end of the day, if you made an app, you would probably only get one or two dollars anyway. I think most of the time, although I know some of them are a bit more expensive. But at the end of the day, there's also the issue of of things being pirated anyway. So if, even if you're just making a small amount, it's probably better than not having anyone use it and making nothing. So I think it's not a bad option. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. Who knows what we're going to cover today? This is great. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Hong Kong is super expensive. Uh, one of the top, usually three most expensive places in the world. Do you find that the, the rates that y'all have to charge limits who comes in at all? Or have y'all found a good balance? It probably does. I think that my feeling was when I first started out was that maybe uh, prices definitely are more than what you know you would pay in Australia for the same service but you have to because the rents are so high and obviously I don't run the business side of things but I can gather the rents very high and so it probably does limit people to how many visits I think they would come in for in the initial stages acute care I'm not sure and I don't want to try and believe that because obviously then you'll create that if you keep believing that that's the case indeed but but my gut feeling is it probably does have an effect for sure Uh, the thing is though the insurance, health insurance companies here do seem to pay quite well. So if you're lucky enough to have a company, work for a company that pays for your health insurance, you can get quite a lot of treatment per year, which much more than people in Australia would get quite often. And Oh, I never expected that. Yeah. So they can have up to 20 visits a year sometimes covered from their health insurance, which is amazing. Huh. It's kind of like uh, acupuncture to them. It's, it's, yes. They yeah. know it isn't going to take two visits to get better. Exactly. So the health cover is really good. So if people are in that category, they've got a good job, they can get quite a lot covered. But if you if you don't and you're just an average income on an average income in Hong Kong, it would be quite hard to pay for the services. But the the chiropractic association does a lot of uh, work with the community and they do quite a few elderly sort of events where they offer it for free. So I did one or two of those when I first got here and uh, and they do sporting events and things like that. So people can at least try a chiropractic without having to pay initially for the community. So I think that's really a good incentive as well. Yeah, you got to get the word out. Yeah. And, yeah. and there, is a, there is a scheme here which I haven't used yet, but the elderly get a certain amount of money per year to use on their health and they can use it for chiropractic as well, which I think is really great. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. That's so, really great. Yeah. At this point, would you recommend more people graduating to potentially go to a foreign country, uh, maybe Hong Kong, maybe somewhere else to practice, or should they have more experience? Or what's your thoughts? It's a good question. So everyone said to me when I said I was coming to Hong Kong, oh, especially the chiropractors that were here already, because I knew a couple, they told me it's really hard to build up and it can take quite a long time. And, and it has taken a while to build up, definitely, but I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't have given up this experience for the fact that it's going to take longer to build up because you just you really do have to put yourself so far out of your comfort zone almost every day, especially in the first six months. And yes, it's really hard and it's daunting. And I guess I didn't really uh, ever experience that because when I moved to Sydney, my family actually moved as well. So I always had family and friends quite close by. But when you move away and you're trying to reestablish yourself in your career, it is really challenging. And a few times I thought, oh, I'm not going to make this. This is too hard. But now that I've, got, I've passed the first year, I'm really grateful for, I guess, how much I've grown. And I feel like my confidence as a practitioner and just in general has, it's kind of like you either sink or swim. If, if you are feeling emotionally like not stable I wouldn't suggest it to be honest like I have you know I've done a lot of work over the years on uh, meditation and self-development and uh, I like trying lots of different health modalities so I had a very good I guess base of emotional mental health but if you weren't quite um, if you hadn't done a lot of work on yourself and you came here it would be hard because even as as I said coming here quite feeling quite stable and strong and confident it really does 
knock you down quite a lot. So you've got to be yeah. yeah prepared for that. The language barrier, the culture, the oh you're a white girl, so that helps, but at the same time it hinders in certain areas. It, it's a really a, a I don't know dichotomy of you're living in two worlds, like you're privileged, but at the same time, you get taken advantage of in certain areas and trying to like balance all of that. It's And you can't express yourself good. No, that's it's tough. Exactly. And look, luckily, the majority of people do speak English pretty well here, but you're still going into the bank trying to open a bank account and it's taking you weeks because of just paperwork <laughs> that you don't even realize. And even going to fashion and, and getting all your paperwork for that is in an intense process. It's just every step of the way you do find there's obstacles and I think that's just part of being in a different country and not, yeah, not exactly sure of the process of the admin and the culture. So, yeah, you're right. And in some ways you are privileged but the locals probably have maybe a slightly bit of resentment there. Not, it's not in a major way but I think you do have to prove to them that you're actually a genuinely good person and I suppose you don't have to do that in your own country. You know, Once they know that, they're absolutely lovely and friendly and kind but it takes a while to get through that barrier. Yeah. Are you responsible for finding your own patients? Well, yes, in some respect. Uh, I was probably lucky in some ways that my boss or my sort of co-worker, she, she got uh, one of them, she, she got pregnant like the sort of month after I arrived. So I ended up, she worked for another couple of months and then she took some time off. And so in that time, I, I could see her patients, which was good because it, you know, kept things flowing and, and busier. And other than that, yes, I've had to go to lots of meetups and try and put myself out there as much as possible. And I think that's been also quite hard because, you know, I didn't actually know anyone when I moved here except a student chiropractor who I'd supervised at uni and um, a family friend, but I didn't know them that well. So I didn't really have any good friends or any close people that I sort of could um, get to help me. So in some ways, yeah, I was really on my own and I, and I did have to go out and sort of try and meet as many people as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard for some people. Like they, they can move to another, like you said, they can move from Sydney to, to Brisbane and be like, this is horrible. I don't know anybody and I don't know what to do to meet people, much less now I have to actually kill to eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know? you, you, absolutely. And uh, you have to really, you have to find that courage to go out and be okay with, I don't know, meeting some people that maybe aren't as friendly as others. And then some people are really welcoming. They'll invite you to things and then um, back out at the last minute and so so you are you find yourself being let down sometimes which you just never have had as much before mm -hmm. so it really does take a lot of inner strength to survive I think in, yeah. in a different country yeah you mentioned meetup so are there any any tips for marketing that you've noticed has worked because you know I, I started a clinic someplace I didn't know when I go back to America it's going to be the same type of situation you're doing it right now what are some ways that are working to, to get your name out there and market and things well I think the fact that I do have the Pilates and the personal training is a, a bonus because and actually I also have sort of sports trainer qualifications which means I can do sport on field things which I think I'm not sure about you guys but in Australia you just have to have a sports trainer qualification then you can go on the field and treat injuries as well mm -hmm. so I have two other jobs although they're not I'm only doing sort of one day a week where I work for the rugby team and I just treat their injuries in the afternoon so that's quite good because obviously if there's another type of injury there or they've got a chronic problem I can say come into the clinic and, and we'll look at it and so I'm meeting you know 
quite a lot of people there. And then also when I, I work at, at the country club in Hong Kong as well, and I teach Pilates once a week and also do some personal training there. And again, if they have any other injuries, which a lot of them do, I can also suggest that they come in and see me at the clinic. And so that's been quite good. And, and just the other thing is, is definitely meetups. Although I wouldn't say I've had many clients coming in from that, but there is a meetup app which everyone used to tell me about in Sydney and I never bothered to join it. But then I got to Hong Kong and I was like, oh, God, how am I going to meet people? Yeah. So I, um, I actually joined this app and there's like meetups for everything you can imagine. And I try and go to like one, at least one a week, sometimes one a fortnight, depending on how busy I am, which there's a lot of business ones. And even though I don't get business directly, they'll be like, how to promote yourself more on LinkedIn or how to – and I think Hong Kong is very entrepreneurial. So people love those types of things. So they have a lot of them here. And and they give me some ideas or some inspiration. Oh, I need to put more on my Facebook or I need to do something on LinkedIn. So that type of thing is also just useful because you're just reminding yourself what to do marketing-wise and not forgetting to do those things. Yeah. I think Meetup, meetup I did an uh, improv, improv, comedy improv, like – Yes. I, I was just like, hmm, what do they got going on around here? And then it was in Denver. I was like, improv. Why not? I'll go try it out for a few weeks. I loved it. It was so fun. And then. Oh, oh that's great. Right. I thought about doing that myself. It's crazy. I mean, you know, yeah. you get the actor type people. Those are kind of, they're, if, if the people in the group are like real actors, my goodness. <laughs> Some interesting <laughs> folks. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm kind of talking to the, to the uh, audience on this part is, Meetup is really cool. Like you said, there's lots of business functions. You never know who you're going to find. Uh, I've done a kayaking group one time uh, in Louisiana. I was in, it was in town and it was on a Saturday. And I was like, hey, kayaking on a river for a couple of hours. That sounds like a fun time. So went meet a few people. Nothing really came of it as far as patients or friends or anything like that because they didn't really meet up very often. But uh, I got to scratch a niche, go kayak with some people. It was fun. Yeah. Absolutely. And I actually go to probably my most regular one is a meditation on a Monday night. And uh, they they sort of, after it took a while, but after going for maybe a few months, they asked me, oh, what do you do for them? Oh, I'm a chiropractor. And, and it's actually in a health clinic. So they... A few months. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Because it was one of those sort of silent ones where you don't really, you know, you go in there, there's a talk, and then you meditate for 45 minutes straight. You don't, with no music, nothing. So it was challenging. But afterwards, people just chill and whatever. But yeah, after a while, they start to ask me, where are you from? What do you do? And all of that. But it does take a while. It's really, you just think, oh, I'll move to a new place. I'll make all these new friends. I'll be fine. But honestly, yeah, it takes a lot longer than I expected. People have friends already, usually. <laughs> They do. And, you know, at the end of the day, as you said, it's – and you also want to find those people that you gel with, which isn't always easy too. I think those people that inspire you or you have things in common and that type of thing. And so you need to find groups of people that are doing things that you like to do as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah don't give up. No. <laughs> Where do you see yourself going in five years? What's on the docket? Well, that's a good question. I – I did think when I first got here and it was so challenging that I can't see myself going anywhere except back home one day because, you know, doing one move to a new country was, you know, was intense. I think, I'm thinking if I move to another country, it could be <laughs> just as intense. But lately seeing I'm past that hump, I, I feel like maybe there could be another option somewhere there. But I have in the back of my mind an idea uh, with combining maybe a sort of a holistic gym, which I wouldn't mind creating at some point. So it really depends on where the need is for that type of thing. 
Australia is the type of place where people aren't, like we're quite lucky there health-wise in some ways. We have good food, we have access to good gyms and there's not a huge amount of stress. We have lots of space. So I don't know whether my idea for my gym is actually going to be suitable somewhere like Australia. I mean, it could work there, definitely a big city, but I do think there's probably other places that have more of a need for that. So potentially in five years, maybe that will be where I'll be. But I, yeah, I'm leaving it open to the universe to decide. <laughs> yeah. You know, Sydney was interesting. I think six o'clock downtown was done. Yeah. I was like, what? You know, I always thought like, you know, you're living in a big city, you know, you go get drinks after dark, you know, you get off work. I was like, there ain't nothing there. No. Restaurants were shut down. Everything was done. I was like, this is wild. Yeah. It's it's a pretty, I thought that Sydney was busy and everyone in Australia complains, oh, Sydney's so crazy. It's getting so busy. The traffic, honestly, it's pretty sleepy compared to the rest of the world. I'm sure the traffic is horrible, just like every big city, but... Yeah, it can be. But as you said, definitely the nightlife in Sydney has died a little bit as well, which uh, there's a few reasons for that. But uh, but yeah, it it is still getting quite busy, but not compared to, say, Hong Kong. Okay, home work-life balance. Are you able to achieve that at all? Um, I don't know. It sounds like you're trying to me. I'm definitely trying. And I think when I first got to Hong Kong, it was all about work. And I actually moved uh, like a 10-minute walk from work so that I didn't have to commute and, you know, with all the people in the the, uh, MTR. The MTR is amazing the way it's run, but it's so crowded. It's ridiculous. So I, I did that so that I would get a little bit more free time and I wouldn't have to be traveling. And that's, that's probably helped. I definitely make sure, you know, once or twice a week I try and get to the beach and I hang out with a couple of friends and that type of thing. But I'd say work has probably taken over a lot since moving to Hong Kong in some ways. And it, that just seems to be the, the norm here. I mean, people work six days a week as they probably do in China without even yeah. thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're like, what, two days off? Are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> Never heard of that. And, and I've been doing that days a week as well since I got here whereas in Australia it's like for as a chiropractor four or five days we might do a few hours in the morning have a break you know it's it's a very different lifestyle whereas here it's expected you're doing six days a week basically wow so you're still doing six days even as a foreigner yeah that's surprising but if you're if you've got an office job here it's officially supposed to be five days but I think because I wanted to do the Pilates and the personal training I've had to add in a six day which I'm not entirely pleased with but I might have to negotiate something yeah to try and get Come on, y'all. yeah i've i've been told that you know that it takes that to build up in the first year or so but i sort of feel like maybe it is good to have a slightly better balance so i'll be working on that yeah uh side note are you married or dating or anything <laughs> no okay <laughs> no i yeah i came here single um but you know i've met a few nice people here and dated a little bit but um yeah it's not something that, as I said, I'm focusing on too much at the moment, but I'm hoping at some point, you know, that person will come along. There you go. <laughs> that would be such an interesting um, environment, I think. Like, just <laughs> all the different types of people that live there and, and the jobs and the work schedule and what an interesting it's, uh, scenario, I would think. It is. It's so strange because I think we're so sheltered in Australia and, Every person you meet here, I find, and it's not possible, but literally they've studied somewhere different. They have a different accent. It's a mixture of this. It's a mixture of that. Honestly, it's completely, it's such a melting pot of nationalities and cultures. It's really weird. Some days it's really weird. 
I was in the Calhoun, Calhoun right? Or Kowloon, Kowloon, something like that. Yep. My goodness. It's like immigrant area. The whole, every, every little street is a different uh, nationality. Yeah, it's exactly I was, I was not it. expecting that. Yeah. And, and people will, uh, like one of my best friends here, she's uh, from Sydney and we met here, but she's got a Vietnamese background. So she, every time she walks around, people try and speak to her in Cantonese because she sort of looks, I guess, a little bit like a local, but not really. But then she has this Australian accent and, and there's a lot of people like that that are just a complete mixture and it's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be pretty wild. Like, you're kind of Asian looking and, uh, oh, wait, you've got a yeah, weird accent. Yeah. You don't it's even like speak. Scottish, the... Scottish, Irish, American, such a mixture. And then you'll see the Western looking guy who has, like, he's speaking Chinese in the street and you look over and you're like, wow, that's, you know, there's just such a different mixture of people here. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> it is wild. Yeah. Is the culture there where they hit on girls a lot or is it more reserved where you're, somebody could like you and you wouldn't even know? It's very reserved, yeah. The men here are very polite. Like I, I don't, I've never had any issues being, people um, say that you're very safe, especially at night. You can go out late at night, come home, walk home. There's no problems whatsoever. And it's actually very reserved culture with dating and that type of thing as far as I can see. So uh, it's, it's nice in that sense. You don't feel threatened at all as a woman in Hong Kong anyway, shape or form, yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. They said like in Singapore, there's cameras everywhere. So if you do anything, you get busted. Well, I'm not sure if it's like that in Hong Kong. There are cameras everywhere here too. Yeah. Yeah. So I they just assume you're being watched. Yeah. So I assume that that's probably why it is so good in that sense. But it's, yeah. just, it's a funny, um, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic with women here. Like if you look at local women in the street, a lot of them are doing manual work, whereas you mm -hmm. wouldn't see that in Australia so much. They'll be carrying um, big bags of garbage and bricks up four flights of stairs. Yeah, doing renovations, all sorts of stuff. There doesn't seem to be that gender role difference where a man's supposed to, like an Australian man will do more of that manual work and a woman would do probably like definitely not those types of jobs, whereas here... I think that any work they can get, they'll just do either way. So in some ways, it's you wouldn't get a man, say, opening the door for you here. Right. Like you would in maybe in America or whatever. But they're also not overt and, and I don't know. They're not catcalling you while you walk the streets. No, not at all. So you sort of, I guess you're treated quite equal here in that sense. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, so it's quite good. We're, we're wrapping this thing up here. Do you happen to have any favorite, like, books or apps that you use on your phone that you just want to drop some knowledge on us for? So at the moment, I'm really into, uh, have you heard of Joe Dispenza? No. Dr. Sure. Joe Dispenza? Uh-uh, not yet. Okay. So he's doing, uh, he's a, he was a chiropractor, but I don't know if he's practicing anymore, but he's, he then went and studied neuroscience and he's, he's basically looking at the brain chemistry and how the brain is affected by meditation. And he's done a lot of, uh, studies which really talk about how beneficial your thoughts are with your feelings and health basically so i'm doing a lot of his meditations and um that's i guess if you look up his website it's worth taking a look at because it's the research is amazing and, and a lot of the work he's doing is awesome and the other thing i do a lot of is oprah winfrey and deepak chopra they also have a meditation app Oprah, and so I, all right. Oprah, yeah, they've combined. So it's a really weird combination. I mean, Oprah, because I at one point was really wanting to be a journalist, I was, I was interested in it quite a lot. She was one of my heroes. You know, she's of course. amazing what she's done. 
So she's combined with Deepak Chopra, who's, you know, quite, uh, well, he's a mixture of East and Western medicine. And they've created these apps and they do a lot of 21-day meditation series. So I do a lot of their stuff as well. And that's helped me to ground me a lot. And also the Joe Dispenza stuff is amazing for a chiropractic student or someone that has just a new grad because I think it can be really hard initially, especially if you're, your patients aren't coming in as much as you want or, you know, you're struggling to build up a practice. He really talks about your mindset and how important that is in order to bring in the right clients for you and your ideal job, your ideal relationship, everything. So I definitely look into that if I was a new grad. And the other thing I do, um, <laughs> well, actually not really that often, but there's this really funny app called My Talking Pet. Oh, gosh. <laughs> all right <laughs> so, so if you want to have a laugh and you have like a pet or you have a family's pet you can put like a voice to the pet and i've done a few of those videos lately and sent them to my family and friends and honestly it's hilarious <laughs> oh my goodness i love the the technology these people have these days it's out of control. so that would be my most humorous app but the other ones are as i said really good for grounding and confidence and helping you to move forward with your goals and achieving what you need to achieve well, before we wrap this up, I'd like to see, is there anything else that you would love to, to talk about that maybe we didn't cover? Maybe chiropractic with Pilates and how can that be uh, combined together? And, and I look at it as a profitability avenue as well as something that's, you know, physically good for the patient as well. What are your thoughts? Well, look, having, you know, suffered a lot of back injuries myself over the years, I had a lot of uh, Pilates training and that really helped me get over those injuries and be able to, you know, compete and train at, at such a high level. And I think um, one of your other questions, which we haven't answered, was, you know, what was my greatest success as a chiropractor? And I think the biggest thing has been helping athletes or even just average weekend warrior really perform well at their marathon or their half marathon, whatever their goal is in their sport. And definitely chiropractic and, and your alignment and physiology and different techniques can like help athletes immensely. And I think that you then add in Pilates and you sort of added more of a complete package because I think the problem with um, athletes or say people that do have a chronic problem is that they're not doing the training at home or they're not doing the training at the gym that's that's right for their body. Whereas if we if we assess their body, we know exactly what they need. We can then give them some Pilates exercises or some one-on-ones or get them to join one of our classes and we're getting, giving them like the complete package of care. And that's what I found really good about doing the Pilates and even the personal training now because I'll often say to people, oh, can you bring in your gym program for me and I'll have a quick look and I'll be like, okay, we need to cut out this, we need to cut out that, that and add this and this. And so it gives me that complete picture of that person's health and how they can succeed in their sport as well. Give us a rundown. Do you know the difference between yoga and Pilates for those who are like confused? There's a big difference. So yoga is definitely more about stretching. And yes, there's certain poses which involve strength and balance and that type of thing. But the fundamentals, as far as I can see, is more about flexibility, stretching, um, opening up your energy and also relaxation. Whereas Pilates is quite a different process where we're looking at core strength and we're looking at our posture as well. And overall strength and flexibility is combined, but really it's about core. And and I, I think a lot of the research has shown that if your core is strong and it's functioning really well, especially pelvic floor as well, that your lower back and your back will uh, be supported a lot better, less likely to have injuries and also less likely to have you know, recurrent injuries as well. 
So it's a little bit more specific Pilates, whereas yoga, I think, is is a little bit more about your general feeling, well-being and health, whereas I think Pilates is more about core strength and, and performance as well. If someone was interested in either taking classes from somebody or learning it themselves and integrating it a little bit more, like they're not really wanting to be a personal trainer, or, you know, but they're like, I like Pilates makes sense to me. Where can they learn more? Or is there like a certification or a website that they should go check out? I did my training through a group called Studio Pilates, and they're based in Brisbane which in Australia, and they do a lot of online courses. So you can actually do a few of them with um, you can also do my online course, which is which shows you a bit of information, but they do uh, training courses for trainers. And the good thing is, even if you just know the basics of Pilates, you can definitely teach that to your patients. And going back to the other question is that some people, uh, you can sort of decide from looking at patients what what their deficits are as to what they'll need the most. So if somebody's a really tight person, really stressed out, um, you know, not coping well with their job or family life or whatever, something like gentle yoga would be would probably be beneficial, especially if they're very tight body, tight muscles, very inflexible. Going to a very structured, light, gentle beginner, uh, beginner yoga would be really good. Whereas if somebody else um, has a reasonable amount of fitness or even maybe just they're actually quite already quite flexible and maybe they're a bit hypermobile. You wouldn't want to send them to yoga. Those sort of people will probably try and go to yoga because they'll be really good at it, yeah. but actually it won't be good for them because <laughs> I have my ex-gymnast patients, oh, I love my yoga, and you just think, oh, you don't need it. You know, you're already so flexible. Yeah. You need core strength. You need to go to do Pilates to stabilize your joints. So I think if you look at your body, um, the body type of the patient and also the testing, do flexibility test, strength test, you can sort of see which, which way they should go. Okay. And ideally a little bit of both is good, but I would suggest people doing even just a short Pilates course to at least be aware of what it is and then they can give their, their clients some exercise and some help with that. And I love that you gave yourself a self-plug. That's what my Udemy <laughs> classes are. Just take my classes and you can get a good taste of what it is. You can do it for your patients. If you really like it, go on and spend well, the time and become certified. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing is that that's very true. But when I first put my first ever course together, which I put on my website, it was, oh, what's it called? I can't even remember what it's called. But basically it was, uh, I think it was called Back Pain Prevention Course or something like that. It had a really exciting, oh, well, my main website is Spine Health Program. So I think I called it Spine Health Program, something like that. And I put into it like all the layers of how I teach my patients. Like the first thing was, you know, how to have good posture, standing, sitting and lying. Then it was how to lift and bend properly. Then it was um, how to have um, better flexibility, some general strength exercise. Like it was just pretty much how I would, what I would run through a patient for what they can do at home over their first maybe month of treatment. So I was trying to get students to have a look at it because I thought, wow, if I'd known this when I graduated and I put it, um, I put it into such a nice little package that I thought it would be really good for students or new grads to have a look yeah. at. And I, I didn't really sort of, I don't know, I guess market it to them. But I guess, it, you know, those sort of things are really beneficial because I feel like when you come out as a new grad, you have all this information, but you don't actually know how to package you it. Need a system. And you don't. Yeah, they don't give you any systems. So then you go out and do all these different courses and then you're like, oh, God, what do I do now? I've got all of this knowledge, but I don't still don't know how to package it. So I think it took me 
sadly to say, probably 10 years. <laughs> and after 10 years of in practice, I mean, you probably find that suddenly everything falls into place and then you develop your own system and you develop your own package of exercises. And, and yes, you tailor it to each person, but it's really nice to have someone to guide you and go, oh, look, hey, when the person's out of pain, make sure they're lifting and bend, bending correctly because they could be stuffing up their back doing that at home or make sure their posture when they're sleeping is okay because maybe they're stuffing up their neck. You know, so it's nice to have that process. And I think sometimes if you're not really into it, you know, there's a lot of doctors like, I'm not here, you know, especially chiropractors, I'm not here to do a bunch of exercises. I'm here to adjust the spine, watch the body get better, but I do know they need something. So I kind of dabble with a few things and they should probably go to a seminar, learn some new things. Absolutely. Once they've been out for a while. But I, I, I agree with you. The systems part, you, you know all these different techniques, but then you're like, all right, how do I, you know, I want to jump yes. straight in. I want to go to level three and that the patient should be just at a level one and you got to learn. Yeah. You got to take your time, especially if you don't yeah, have the confidence absolutely. that they're going to come back too much. Like, oh, I got to give it to them now. Otherwise, they'll never, they're not going to come back long enough to actually get the exercises. And that's a whole other conversation, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. And you've got to balance it. So some patients, you know, they're, they're only going to do one thing to tell them. So then you give them the most important thing each visit and then other patients they really want a list of stuff so you've sort of got to balance it out so that otherwise you're just yeah you're talking to deaf ear, on deaf ears so you've sort of got to find that balance of what what you think they really need and what they're actually going to be willing to do at home but if you don't give them anything i just think that's neglecting a lot of the service that you should be providing yeah i mean we have you know clients here and we had one the other day and my wife was showing them like some real simple stuff like the mcgill's top three you know exercises and they're just giggling and laughing and making jokes and you could just tell they just didn't give two craps after the first exercise <laughs> she just I'm done. I was like, what's wrong? She's like, they don't care. They're not going to do it. They're not taking it serious. They can just have their back pain. <laughs> she was so mad about it. And then she yeah. calmed down. But, you know, you get those people where you're yeah. like, I'm trying to help you and you don't even want to help yourself. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I know. It's just going to keep hurting. Yeah. And, and the thing, she was a whiner too, though. Yeah. And the thing is, okay, well, then they're just going to need more. Like, ultimately, those patients are going to have to basically pay more money to you because they're not willing to do stuff at home. And, you know, sometimes you just realize that's just the way they want you to spoon feed them, which can be frustrating. But, you know, it's I think it's if you don't at least give them that opportunity to to know what to do, then and sometimes you can tell them three times and it'll be the third time that it sinks in, you know, that they'll actually be like, yes, I'm going to do that now. And, you know, I had this 10-year-old boy come in the other day. Yeah. He, um, first ever child patient that basically came in and told me how many times a day he'd be doing his exercises and, you know, well, they were going. <laughs> I was like, "This is great." Is that too many times? <laughs> <laughs> and it was so funny. And he's ten, going on, you know, twenty-five. He wants to be an actor and whatever. And I was like, "Oh wow, I wish all my patients were like him." <laughs> so. yeah. The biggest thing is we need to make sure your form is right if you're going to be doing these yeah. so often. And then he starts reading my Cantonese, like he can speak Cantonese, Mandarin, and English, and he starts laughing at my, you know, sheet of Cantonese, and I'm thinking. Wow, you know, 10-year-old that's like so intelligent already. <laughs> so funny. The kids here are out of control because they really are pushed to study so hard that they're just, they're super intelligent. It's really funny. It's 30 minutes to eat and then the other hours after school yeah, you're studying. pretty much. Yes. It's pretty wild. What's, uh, how can people get in contact with you, keep in touch, look at your programs? Um, well, probably spinehealthprogram.com is my website. And if you have a look at that, uh, it it may have a bit of information on there. Otherwise, if you go to Udemy, put my name in, you'll find my, my programs. Um, spinehealthprogram.com. Just having a look at it now just to make sure. No worries. <laughs> Running okay. I think that summarizes 
By the way, if you want to know, if you're listening to this on the gym, in the car, and you don't have time to save the episode, it's F-L-E-U-R and then Castle, R-E-A-G-H. So if you want to quickly pop it into Udemy, you can probably find her. Thank you. And um, hopefully I'll be able to give you my website link and you can put that at the bottom somewhere, maybe. I'm totally capable of creating <laughs> a hyperlink. I appreciate it. <laughs> Excellent. Sounds good. I'm going to try and make sure that my... Oh, also, you can do lots of posts on Instagram and Facebook, and that's a really good way of marketing, especially to friends, because not that I never used to market to my friends because, well, you know, I didn't want to complicate relationships with yeah, indeed. treatment, but the amount of times that they'll tell me, oh, Flora, thanks for these exercises you gave me, or I didn't know that you could treat you know, this or that. And so it's actually a really good way of, of promoting chiropractic as a whole. So, you know, try and get your Instagram and, and um, Facebook happening, even though it can be a bit boring, it's worth it. Y'all, while you're already on Udemy, go on over. If you need to, send me an email. I've taken several Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn classes, Google AdWords. That's where I tried to learn all this stuff. I was like, I could pay some chiropractor $500 and then I could pay this person 10 bucks and probably get more information, but maybe not quite as you know laser focused on the keywords necessary. But I see a lot of these courses, they're such A plus B equals C. And you're like, oh my goodness, I already knew that. Come on. So. Yeah. And it's, it's all trial and error. And so, yeah, you can pay someone, but they're just sort of having a guess just as you would if you did it yourself anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So may as well give, give it a shot. Well, Dr. Ford, this has been fantastic on my end. I uh, really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, I'm hoping that people will take what they heard, implement a little bit into their own clinic and, and see some practice changes for sure. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I really want to take a second and say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you haven't left a review on your favorite listening app, please go ahead and do that. One thing I've realized, I've been putting out a lot of links all over Instagram, Facebook, this podcast itself. And if you ever change the link or shut a website down, all those links are now gone and dead. So I just want you to know, if you're listening to some of these episodes and I mention a link and it's gone, just head on over to a doctorsperspective.net and you're probably going to find that thing you're looking for on the top menu. Search around and I'm sure you'll find it. All the books you can find there, acupuncture book with no needles, the free chapters you can download, the 360-degree health from exercises, stretches, financial health, what is chiropractic, and the free chapters are there, t-shirts, resources, and we even have a financial support site now. It's just a doctorsperspective.net slash support. There's one-time support. There's monthly support. Go ahead over there and check it out. Something that I'm offering right now with the needless acupuncture, if you buy the book, you also get the electric acupuncture pin for free as a bonus. And that electric acupuncture pin helps you not only stimulate the points stronger, but helps you locate the points as well. So that's a huge plus. And then with the uh, Today's Choices, Tomorrow's Health book, I'm offering a bonus of a uh, one-hour, one-on-one uh, coaching session to go along with the purchase of that book. Actually, there's three different bonus packages if you head to a doctorsperspective.net slash no needles it's getting close to the end of the year are y'all ready for the 2018 top 10 i mean it's too early right now but it's going to be here before you know it that will be available for download later on just like the 2017 is now you just heard a great guest implement one thing make your practice and personal life as best as it can be we just went hashtag behind the curtain i hope you will listen 
and integrate what some of these guests have said. By all means, please share across your social media, write a review, and if you go to the show notes page, you can find all the references for today's guest. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trostclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.